Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything. And as damn as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. Well, guys, today I am excited that we have Deacon Ralph Poyo on with us today. I first got to see Deacon Ralph at a John Bosco conference. And like, what did we figure out? It was like 2015 or something like that the last time we talked. So that was a long time ago. Deacon Ralph does not remember me, which made me really sad. Um, no, not at all. But the uh, but it was one of those moments where it was it was in kind of my reversion, like a reconversion, whatever it is within the faith for me to my like when my life when I was starting to actually have a real relationship with Jesus. Um, and it, it was just amazing to hear what he did. So anyway, Deacon Ralph is the founder of New Evangelization, New Evangelization Ministries. He is a missionary and been doing ministry for over 40 years now. He's the father of five daughters, and he is now in Texas. Wahoo! Yeehaw! Yes, and <laughs> while, while we're sharing our first time meeting Deacon Ralph, I want to share, it was at Steubenville, um, Steubenville South in Alexandria, Louisiana. You got on stage and you called yourself a hobbit deacon. And uh, and they had these big yellow tubes that were pumping the cool air into. And at one point, do you remember this? You jumped into the tube and, and all of a sudden the teens in the, uh, in the arena just was like, this guy's all in. To see someone who's an ordained, a clergyman, just go all in and just go crazy because everyone was hot. And you're like, I'm not going to be hot. And you just crawled into the air conditioning duct. It was a, a riot. So um, I've always appreciated your willingness to just go all in and be really open to whatever God is calling you to do in, in fun, radical, and dynamic ways. So welcome, Deacon. Thank you. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It just kind of popped in my head to go for it. And it was really cool in there, actually. It was really kind of <laughs> It felt really good in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I want to dive into like our topic and, and stuff like that, but like, what about your calling to ministry? Like what led you into ministry and, and what was like, what are maybe some high points just in your, in your faith journey? I think in the early years, you know, like most of us, we had these ideas from the world of what we should be and who we should become. And so for me, my false God at that time was, was soccer. Mm. How do I become a professional soccer player? I'm born in Columbia. So I had three older brothers and living in South Florida. So soccer was a big deal for me. And got pretty high up in it, but then had a, a profound conversion experience. And the person who led me was a missionary. He was a, a, a Protestant missionary, youth minister type guy who really modeled what excellent evangelization looks like. The real stuff, yeah. not pro programmatic yep. stuff, not speaking on stage, but the real work of evangelization, the relational ministry component. And so once I encountered the Lord, he, he simply invited me. He asked, are, are you serious about this Jesus that you say you've come to know? Like, oh my gosh, let me tell you about my last week and how the anointing of the Spirit has just really touched me. And he said, well, if you're serious about that, then I want to invite you to become my disciple. And I'm like, you're a disciple. I thought we we're supposed to be disciples of Jesus. And he said, correct. What I want to do is train you on how to become an authentic disciple of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he gave me, you know, the rules and regs and said, look, I only got a few spots, either you're in or you're out. And if you're going to be in, we're going to do homework, we're going to meet weekly, we're going to do, I'm going to challenge you to grow. And I said, I'm in. And so when I was going through that journey with him, I knew within six months after my conversion that I, uh, that I wanted to do mm. this, you know, because I saw myself as this Catholic kid who, who was sacramentalized, but never evangelized. Wow. And I left the church, frankly, after I got converted. Yeah didn't mean anything yep. to me. But when I found Jesus, everything changed. Yep. And I knew 
I wanted to spend the rest of my life helping other other teens and adults now um, find what I missed so easily, yep. you know, in, in ministry. And so, yeah. So from there, I, I uh, went and majored in scriptures and I volunteered at my home parish also under under Ron's tutelage and Ron was training me how to do it. My home parish was putting me into the into the trenches and giving talks and things. And so I started just growing like crazy. And and then I had a. So I'm interested. Like if I if I don't you don't mind me stopping. Um, Please. A, a lot of times when when people have that first real evangelistic moment where they they come to know Jesus personally, they tend to um, follow the church that showed that to them. Um, it doesn't sound like you did that, um, because no. it was a Protestant minister that that showed you that that where that happened. But you stayed home, yes, in, within the Catholic Church and chose to do that within the Catholic Church, which I, I love. Like, how, how did that happen? Because there's I, there's has to be something there because that doesn't happen all the time. Oh yeah, it doesn't happen most of yeah. the time. Um, I was, uh, introduced to Christ through a parachurch organization called Youth for Christ mm -hmm. or Young Life or Campus Crusade for Christ, that type of, you know, vein of ministry from the Protestant side. And, um, Ron did invite me to come and look at other parishes, other churches, other denominations. And I did, I, I went and looked, but, uh, something was missing or more accurately, someone, you know, our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament. And so, um, yeah, it just became real clear when I came back, uh, and I came to know the Lord. I went into mass and I, and I'm like, yes, this is, this is it. Now I'll be honest. So at that point I still didn't believe in the true presence of Christ. Mm. I didn't understand it yep. yet. Um, but, um, yeah, I just knew that, that I was, I was home. I was where I needed to be. Yeah. And then I just began to, when I was away at college studying the scriptures, I actually went to Ron's alma mater, which again is just a different, you know, it's funny how the Lord sends you on different journeys, right? I didn't go to a Catholic university. I didn't go to, you know, I went to a Protestant mm -hmm. university and I, and I majored in scriptures. And so I was the only Catholic, on wow. Christ, uh, which was again, another training ground for me because I was constantly being tested about, well, why do you believe in Mary or why do you, you know, what's up with the Pope? And, you know, so that was great. It was forcing me to say, well, what do I really believe? Yeah. And, uh, in my, my senior thesis scripture, you know, on scripture was, um, scripture and tradition is viewed by the Roman Catholic Church. So you can imagine wow. this university having to deal with, <laughs> you know, we're looking at our two sources of, of authority, right? Tradition, the magisterium and scripture. And, and the Protestants only had scripture and they were freaking out during that time because of a new um, Bible study tool, redaction criticism. Mm. But yeah. anyway. Wow, that's awesome. One piece that I want to note is that like God used um, a different denomination to lead you deeper into your Catholic faith. And I think it's important that we recognize that uh, God doesn't care what jersey the disciple is wearing um, if he can if he can have those gifts submitted to the, uh, the, the glory or the work of God. You know what I mean? And so I think that there's amazing things that sometimes we as ministry leaders get intimidated by. Oh, we don't want to. We don't want to listen to the Francis Chan's book because he's not Catholic. And I'm like, you got to listen to Francis Chan's new book and tell Unity. It's amazing. You know what I mean? And some of these different pieces that really lead us closer into the faith from what maybe from our mindset would be an unexpected place. And God's like, yeah, that, that's just Francis. I love that guy, and I'm going to use him to speak my truth. You know, so. Yeah. yeah. Amen. So true. And I think I think the Lord is really calling us to a much more ecumenical view. You know, in terms of unifying the body of Christ. Yep. And I think it's going to happen yeah. given the culture going into it. Yeah, we had um there was a a movement here recently to 
worship together to to have all different churches come and worship together. And there was a prayer night, and I was invited to lead um, the prayer or the reflection that night. And one of the, the what I was reflecting on was when Jesus prayed that w- that we would be one, you know, as as the Father and I are one. And so then it was th- this conversation about the Trinity. Really quick, we just I, I, I just asked them like, can any of you explain the Trinity? And it was like, no, like nobody can explain the Trinity. The second you start talking about it, like you're talking about heresy, you know, and, and so it's like, okay, so he wants us to be one, like he's one. And we don't understand what that is, you know? So how, how do we even pretend to think that we know what that oneness looks like here on earth? You know, and I know that like each denomination has this idea of, you know, what it is, um, but we we really can't understand what that is, you know. And and and, and anyway, so I, I'm excited to see what God's doing because I think there's some really interesting things happening with relationships between the churches and and the Catholic Church and everything like that. And, and in my lifetime, I expect to see something um, just really uh, miraculous happen on that side of things. So, um, speaking of miraculous, one of the things we the, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on is just how obvious your connection to the Holy Spirit is and your docility to the Holy Spirit is. And, and it's, it's something that since it's almost since I met you or it's, it's not all about you, but it's the, like, since my kind of reversion or awakening of the Catholic faith within my life, that like the, like praying for docility and being able to follow the Holy Spirit and find where he what he is anointing in my life, what he wants to do in my life, and do what he is doing, not asking him to anoint what I'm doing. Um, like how, and, and I think every ministry leader, my hope is that every ministry leader wants that, you know, wants to do what God wants to do, not, want, not wants God to anoint what they're doing. Um, how do you figure that out? How do you discern that? How, like, and, and there may be multiple things here, like what, what does docility to the Holy Spirit look like? And, and how do I know what he wants to do in my life? Great question. I, th- I think it's one that um, anybody who's going to stay in ministry long or, or choose to be a disciple of Christ for the rest of forever yep. uh, needs to address that issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it, it really begins with dealing with the big dog that a lot of times we don't pay attention to because we're so busy looking at the Ten Commandments, but it's pride. Mm. The absence of humility is the beginning point. Yep. You said that you had heard me speak at Steubenville conferences, and I spoke for maybe 16 years at the conferences. Uh, to be honest, though, I, I think it took me the first 10 years of being there before I could finally appreciate and actually have joy and celebration in the amazing talks that other speakers would give. Wow. Uh, because I was so threatened. Uh. I was so... I was in it for me, you know, how do I build up my kingdom on earth, my identity, my name, and and that can be a huge ego mm. trap there, you know. So I, I think that for me is where it began, and, I, and I'll, I'll never forget being at the team meeting at about, you know, just before the evening session, we would gather together in the late afternoon, just before dinner, and then we had the evening session, and we just went went back into prayer as a team, and and uh, I was just so convicted mm. um, with my pride. And so I just asked the team members to uh, forgive me, uh, for my pride and for the ways that I, I could not honor truly the gifts of God operating in you. Wow. Uh, and I told them why. I said, look, I, I, I've been threatened by you guys. You guys, somebody would give a talk, a really good talk, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how's this going to reflect on me? Is it going to make me look better or worse? And of course, who's who's my focus on? Mm-hmm. It's on me. Yeah. Um, and so that, that really began for me this journey. Um, 
And, and then eventually, you know, the Lord said, uh, I mean, I did youth ministry for a lot of years. And then even while being a missionary, I was helping out still with youth ministry, Franciscan conferences. And the Lord just told me, pulled me away from all that to start focusing on adults. Uh, and in that journey in the midst of there, somewhere, I began to start praying. And it started at the altar when I was serving as a deacon. I, uh, you know, it was time to, to proclaim the gospel. And I bowed and asked for the blessing from the priest. And as I was uh, bowing before the altar on my way over to the book, and I said this prayer. I didn't even know where it came from. But I just asked, Lord, I, I pray that you would give me the gift of transparency. Mm that they would only see you. Mm. And of course I sat down after I was done proclaiming the gospel because I wasn't preaching. And I'm like, well, where did that come mm. from? <laughs> and that has become a very consistent prayer for me now is, um, I don't want people to see me anymore. I don't even, I mean, I'll, I'll go and I'll do it, but it, it, I don't really have any excitement about being on a stage with a thousand people or 2000 people talking or doing any of that stuff that just really, I have no desire for that anymore. I, I just am I'm finding myself in a place where uh, the Lord is just continuing to reveal to me more and more that um, that nothing really does happen unless he does it, right? Just like the scriptures say, you know, the labor labors in vain unless the Lord is building, right? And I've labored for a lot of years, but I, I can't honestly say that I was trying to build the kingdom of God. You know, I think a lot of times I was trying to build my own yep. kingdom, my own identity out of a desperate need to believe that I was valuable mm -hmm. in some yeah, val and so there's for a validation or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I needed, I needed that. And then, so that just led me in prayer to begin to really start discerning some major differences, you know, like we're called to live in the divine will of God, in the will of God, not do the will mm. of God. So when you live in your own will and then try to obey God's will, you can't because mm. you're still living in your own yeah. will. And so we, we look at like the Ten Commandments and the rules and say, well, I'm supposed to obey those rules and I'm just struggling to try to obey those rules when really we're, it's a huge mind change to begin to start realizing we're living, we're trying to live in his will, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's a whole major shift now of my paradigm in my own ministry is that, you know, I need to learn and teach people how to live in the kingdom of God on mm -hmm. earth spiritually. Yep. And the only way to do that spiritually is in the life of the Holy spirit. Yep. And yet that's such a contradiction in many people's minds because they have no clue who the spirit is or what he yep. does and how right. he does what he does. And when that obedience becomes a stumbling block, it's called scrupulosity. Right. <laughs> and that's, and that, that's what the Pharisees struggled with, and Jesus called them out on it in, in, in a powerful way. He talked about the tax collector in the back was was more authentic, more holy, um, or had more access to his grace because he wasn't there just jumping through the hoops. He was there to encounter the living God. And I think sometimes we sell ourselves short when we maybe prejudge people or they don't fit the mold for the ministry that we're seeking to lead or a spouse. But God's like, I want you not to be obedient to the the vision ministry you have, I want you to embrace the the vision of ministry that I have for you and for your parish or for your community. Amen. Yeah, and I, the, the ministry that I have, you know, uh, New Evangelization Ministries. When I when I started it, the Lord called me to do it, but He gave me three very clear criteria in doing it. One of them was that I can't charge fees when I speak. Two is I can't do major fundraising, and three I can't do major publicity. 
So when you think of a, a business model, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's an instant crash and burn. Uh, and yet I'm still alive, even through COVID, uh, when everything came to a screeching halt, you know, for almost a year. Um, but I started with nothing and the Lord just kind of built it. And that's, again, when you talk about learning how to enter into the vein or the movement or flow of the spirit, the anointing, it begins by just acknowledging that you, that that is what you're really seeking to do, right? I'm not, you know, like I love Mother Teresa, faithfulness, not success, mm. right? We, how, what does it mean to be faithful to the Lord? But that means that we have to actually seek his will. And so like even now during the these beginning stages of hopefully coming out of COVID, although I don't believe we're actually ever going to come out of that, and parishes are starting to come up, the Lord has just been calling me to this tremendous silence. Um, mm. You still, and it drives me nuts, <laughs> you know, because I like to do things. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, if we had time, I'd tell you a story that started in the midst of COVID that it just, I mean, he was calling me to the silence and I didn't really understand what the silence was. And the enemy was making it look like it was this huge abyss. Wow. Um, and so I was scared and I didn't want to go and I didn't want to enter in. And um yeah, well, if you want, let me dive into it for a second. But, yeah, go for it. Because I, I think examples like this help people to kind of understand, like how to how to listen to the Holy Spirit, how to listen to the guidance, you know, that, that's there. Sure. Well, he kept calling me, and I had this chair in Steubenville before I moved, um, just a little Adirondack chair sitting in the front yard under a tree, it's a beautiful spot for prayer and stuff. And I would go there to pray a little bit here and there, but he kept calling me that chair. But to stay there for like a couple hours and not bring something to read, not bring, you know. Just come and sit and be still. Can you explain that when you say he kept calling me? Like, like, how do you know? Like, yeah, in what way? What does that mean? Okay, so there's three voices that Saint Ignatius teaches that you hear in your in your mind, your conscience. One is God through His angels and His saints. Two, your conscience, and three are demons. The demons try to get you to not go to places where the Lord, where you can enter into communion with the Lord, or delay that, or to do sinful things. Right? Um, the angels or God or the Spirit speaking in you, calls you to do things that are the right, the good, and the true. And the Lord is is constantly looking for communion with us. Uh, communion in prayer, communion in Eucharist, right? Communion in fellowship. Lots of different ways of communing with God and connecting to Him. And so in that communion of prayer, the Lord just kept saying, I want you to come and sit down and be still. Come and sit down and be still. Come and sit down and be still. And so on that Monday, I'm avoiding it. And uh, so I'm working in my office and sure enough, everything in my office just breaks down, stops functioning. Like a glitch in my computers. I don't know. <laughs> so I go to the backyard because I'm getting my house ready to sell or not e not even yet. Um, just doing working on stuff in the backyard and the stuff that I had there to do the project broke down. Everything stopped working. And wow. the spirit just said, are you ready to come and be still with me? Hmm. Okay. So I go and I sit down and, I, and I'm sitting there with him and the Lord says, I want, I want you to come toward this silence. Come to me in the silence. And the enemy at that point, because remember that the demonic don't want you to do that. They don't want you to receive the anointing and blessing of God. So they were imaging in my mind that it was just this huge abyss. And mm -hmm. I, was, I was afraid to go. And it, you know, it's, it's kind of like that silence that's loud. If you understand what I'm talking about, that silence is just really loud. Mm -hmm. So I avoided it a bunch of times. And uh, prior to that, and then on that day, I, I sat down in the chair, I'm like, I'm here. And I, and I just said, Mother May, I, the truth is, I don't, I don't, I'm afraid to go. 
and I don't want to go. But if this is what the Lord wants, then you have to take me by the hand and take me to Jesus. Mm. Silence. And just sitting there in prayer and a spiritual vision of sorts, if you will. Mama Mary comes up, grabs me by the hand. I get up out of the chair and we start walking. And sure enough, we start walking towards what appears to be this great abyss where Jesus is standing at the edge of this abyss, this huge cliff. And we walk up. Jesus is there. He looks at her, says, thanks, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) And she uh, lets go of my hand. She says, you're welcome. And uh, Jesus looks at me and says, thanks for coming. And I'm like, uh you know, I didn't want to be here. He goes, I know. He said, but I'm glad that you're here. And before you can enter the silence here, I need you to answer a question. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, but I don't want your answer now because uh, we both know that when you hear the question, we both know that you will say the right answer, but you won't mm. meet the right answer. Mm. Mm. So I, well, what's the question? And he said, am I enough? And then he said, am I enough for every part of your life? Am I enough? And uh, he was right. I mean, surely, well, of course, Lord, of course you're enough. Oh, yeah. And, we're really but, and, like, I, we're really good at re- getting the right answer. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Saying yeah, the right I, answer. Oh, God, if he doesn't just know everything. <laughs> so, um, so then he said, I want you to go to the backyard and everything is going to be working back there, but I don't want you to put earbuds in and listen to Christian music or talk radio or anything else. I just want you to be still and listen to the spirit because he's going to ask you some questions along with this. And so he says, go ahead and go. And I got out of the chair. I left, went to the backyard, started working a project. Everything was working. And the Holy Spirit started taking me through every part of my life. And he asked the question, Am I enough for this part of your life? Am I enough for that part of your life? Am I enough for this? And he was taking me to places where, frankly, I go to when I'm not feeling good or when I'm bored or, you know, not necessarily even sinful places, but just places that God had not filled in my life and had no real place. And so he kept calling me back to the chair for more more time to meet with him on the edge of that cliff. And... Um, I was avoiding him for the next month and a half because the spirit kept coming to me and showing me all these places. And honestly, the truth was, no, you're not enough. Mm. And I didn't want to say that. Yeah. (laughs) But he knew it already, right? Because he's God. Yeah. Um, But I didn't want to vocalize it. Yep. Because, you know, when you say it, you own own it. You don't want to admit it to yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, finally, I, I... relent and I go back and I'm in the chair. I'm like, mama, I got to do it again. Cause you know, I don't want to go to this meeting. <laughs> Comes, grabs me by the hand, takes me over there. And this time Jesus is there again by this cliff. And, and he says, you got an answer for me? And I said, uh, well, Lord, you know, uh, you know, everything. So, you know, the answer to that question. Well, what's the answer? I don't want to say it. You need to say it. You're not enough. And, uh, in that moment, I um, I just owned that fact that I really was withholding more from him. Mm. And, um, and he said, "Okay, now we're ready to begin. Now we're ready to enter into the si- into the silence." And the silence that appeared to be this horrific cl- cliff or whatever, the Lord just removed that, and all it was was entering into His love. 
Yep. And he invited me in. Yeah. And then we just, we, we, we meet there every day. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, it's kind of like how Jesus wanted to bless and anoint the woman at the well. But the only way that he could bring her to that anointing was to confront her about the things in her life that are wrong. Yep. Same, right. So that she could repent, so that she could yield to God. And that's what I think God is calling to each of us, you know, there. Yeah. And it's like, like just in thinking about this, like if, if we are still giving the right answer instead of the real answer, um, then we're not ready for what he has next for us, you know, until we're ready to start giving the real answer and be honest with ourselves, honest with him, he can't take us to the next step. Yeah. It's so interesting to look back at my, you know, my youth and even in ministry, you know, as a young youth minister and, um, just seeing all the ways that I was working for me um, out of desperation, you know, because I didn't know nor believe the truth about myself in God. And I think, you know, those are the places where we get attacked the most because those are the places that force us to engage in ways that are not in the will of God. Yep. You know? And so yielding to the will of God and entering into the life of the Holy Spirit requires an element of faith that I think, the church has such shallow faith right now, you know, mm, people yeah. in the church do. And I think that's one of the things that COVID has really revealed to us is, you know, if God really is God, then why are we all so afraid? Yeah. You know? yeah. Why are we listening to the spirit of fear over the spirit of God? Oh my gosh. Like you, know? um, you say that and chills go down my back. Like the, the spirit of fear that I have seen in like, just that has such a stronghold yeah in in the church um is it's it's so frustrating to see you know and, and it, like i feel i i know i'm not but i feel powerless to do anything about it you know because i'm not i, I feel like i'm not in a position um to influence the levels at which i see this spirit of fear having a hold on mm-hmm. um so i don't know if that makes any sense yeah i i agree yeah well, I think there are ways that you can you can encourage and people in ministry need to start just speaking about it. And the first part about it is just really bringing it to the light, right? Because the enemy likes to work in darkness and they like to create a level of darkness so that things can't be declared or seen, identified, and pushed through, right? Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that I do is I, I talk about how in our young age, one of the tools or tactics of the enemy, demonic, is that when as children we we come across what appears to be a like a, a scary situation, an event that occurs. It doesn't have to be traumatic necessarily, but just a scary situation. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize is that demons, even at a young age, can saddle up next to us and go, oh, that was really scary, and, and we don't want to ever do that. Listen, you listen to me, and I'll protect you. And what yep. we don't realize is that we develop a relationship with what I call a counseling spirit, wow. a spirit that gives us counsel. And that becomes the voice that we learn and that we trust. Mm. And yep. that spirit gets in the way mm. of uh, us learning how to listen to the, the Holy Spirit, the real one, the one that is God. And, right? and so that's why it's so critically important that part of what we do in discipleship going forward has to be leading people into an intimate baptism of fire in the Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered, so that we can be lifted up, but so that we can connect to God, connect yep. to the Spirit. 
um, and learn to listen to his voice so that, you know, while we're feeling fear, we can rise to the higher faculty of our soul, spiritual part of our faculties, and sense what is the will of God, right? Like when you look at the fruits of the Spirit, we sense the fruits of the Spirit. We don't feel them. So we can operate both the lower and the higher function of our souls, but we're supposed to learn how to push through the lower stuff and pay attention and in obedience to the, to what the Lord is calling us through the sensing that we experience. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting because like a lot of people don't want to believe that those types of spirits exist or that they've um, been listening to one. Um, Because then I, I feel like there's like, Along with that, which is also, I would say, you know, a temptation of the devil is, is the shame, you know, that comes with that. Oh, like if I were only holier, this wouldn't have happened to me. Or if only, you know, whatever, or like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's just yeah. like doubling these things on top of each other. Um, but then like, if we, if we just look at the saints, you know, and, and some of the stories, like uh, even, you know, St. Padre Pio, like in some of the stuff that happened to him. I would hope that that would bolster us, you know, to see that like even stuff like, like, um, yeah, even spiritual attacks happen to some of the the greats, you know, and just because we succumb to a, a spiritual attack or we did, um, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with us. Sure. Yeah. And when, and the reality is that spiritual attacks come to all of us, right? They're always attacking. They're always, you know, and I always, when I work with my disciples, one of the things I'm saying, look, it doesn't matter how many years you've been walking with the Lord, the number one battleground, the number one place you will always encounter battle is in your prayer life. Yep. Always. Yep. The distractions, right? Whatever else. Yeah. Oh yeah. And our prayer life is, is where we seek Jesus. You know, and and that that idea um, that, um, yeah, just like knowing that truth is important. Um, You have a resource that you've put out. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to look at it yet. It's on my list of things that I'm going to buy and and use and utilize. You are not advertising it here because you've been told not to by God. (laughs) But we're asking you about it. Um, Tell us about what it is. It's called Walking on Water, Engaging in the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. It's, it's, um, I, I call it a brand new small group method um, because the traditional small group programs that are out there today are, um, are content driven, right? The purpose or the goal is um, we've written this content. We want you to learn it, uh, read it, learn it, or watch the videos and learn it and then talk about it in small groups where this one is purpose driven. So it has six concrete goals and the two major goals of it that, that people will have, or at least in beta testing, have experienced profound you know, growth and experience in it is growing in faith and growing in, to engage and encounter the Holy Spirit. So the materials that we provide are not so much uh, video content or reading content like you would have a book, read chapter one and discuss the questions as much as it is um, a discipline in prayer and in daily prayer uh, where you go through uh, a profound truth. And so the whole goal is to take a profound truth of God and apply it to your life. And so you spend six weeks dealing with one profound truth. First week is just learning about it. Second week is saying, well, um, what are the ways that I am or am not living this profound truth in my life? And then there's four weeks of practice. Uh, applying it to your life and you and so when you come back I I provide one night of content for each profound truth 
uh, on vi with video. Um, and the whole goal is of that is just to unpack the profound truth. What is it? Why are we looking at it? And then you dive into scripture study and prayer. And I teach a technique in there uh, that I've been using with my disciples on how to learn how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And it's not rocket science, but it takes effort. And um, I'll be honest, what we discovered in beta testing with several groups that you know signed on to do it, um, a couple of groups outright stopped doing it just stopped wow. <laughs> and when i asked them why uh finally i could i got one one man to really i think he coined the phrase in a lot of ways of what other people were thinking as group of were just afraid to sell it, say it and he said ralph what you're asking of us to do in there um i'm just not sure i love jesus enough wow to go into that and it and really what it is is you know when you go through a regular program it's relatively easy. I can just read it and learn and give a couple of quick thoughts. But if I'm not going to sit, learn to sit down with the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit directly, Lord, show me the ways I'm not living this out. And what are the ways you're calling me to live this out? And then I bring it back to the group. And now I have to become vulnerable and share with the group the ways that I'm failing or succeeding and cha being challenged. Uh, so this thing's got some teeth in it. Um, yeah. And it, to be honest, again, uh, it, I was all set to do a, another program like everything else, the traditional program model. And Every time I kept doing it, I hit this wall and the spirit said, or I felt like it was spiritual warfare at first. Mm -hmm. And then I came back in prayer and said, Lord, this almost feels like it's you. And he goes, yeah, would you just shut up and listen to me? Yeah. And so listen to the donkey. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it, it's, it's nothing. I thought it was going to be nothing. Yeah. Um, and so we're pretty excited about it. And I know that it's going to be, I think it's going to take a while to, to get some traction because people are afraid of small groups. Yeah. People are afraid of getting into that kind of place where you where you get into that kind of light, right? But the truth is, is that if you really give yourself to it, you start growing like crazy. And it sounds like this this takes a, a level of vulnerability, maybe not a level of, so and this is, just help me understand, um, it's not that you need a certain level of catechesis or knowledge before taking this, but you need to be prepared to be vulnerable. Right. So we've had people from guys going through this who had masters in, theolo in uh, theology to just, you know, beginners who barely made it through knowing what the Bible was in college kind of deal. Yeah. And uh, I've gotten equal feedback like this. It's challenging me who's, you know, I've got a master's in theology, but it's kicking my butt because I'm connected with the Holy Spirit and he's showing me stuff I, I, I didn't even know was there. Yep. And then I hear from the beginners sort of like, I'm just so thankful because for the first time in my life, I have a regular regimen that I can follow in my daily prayer that I've never had or knew how to develop. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it covers the spectrum. Awesome. You guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Let's continue this conversation online. And please send any feedback you have to mla at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone. Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and to find that sacred space that the Lord just wants to sit and meet you there. Even if Mama Mary's got to take your hand and drag you to him, be open to, uh, to transformation. Deacon, would you offer our, our listeners and us your blessing? Heavenly Father, we just ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to fall afresh upon these ministry leaders, that all those uh, who are listening and who they are ministering to can't help but to experience the current of grace flowing through these leaders into their hearts, those they minister to. So come, Lord, and bless us. May the blessing and anointing of Almighty God be on you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
Amen. 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 Thanks, Thanks again, Deacon. Thank yes. you, Deacon Ralph. Good to be with you. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless.